glad and excited that you're here. Once again, if this is your first time at Southridge, you are our special guest. And we pray and hope that at some time during this sermon that you will take out that connection card. You will indicate whether it's your first time or second time and just drop that in. It's how we can stay connected with you. Well, we are in a series entitled Tighten the Knot. And uh, when I got married, my wife said, hey, I've set up everything on a website called The Knot. Because tightening the knot is this cultural term that we understand that that's where marriage is about tightening that knot. And so there's even a magazine called The Knot. And so we kind of get that. So we've been talking about this relationship series about tightening the knot. And so I know sometimes when we do a relationship series, you may feel like, man, this took everything for me to come here. And this just feels like I'm admitting weakness. And I want to let you know, if you are in a point where maybe you're considering marriage or struggling in the relationship or there's something that's happening. I want you to know this is not weakness getting help it's wisdom it's wisdom to get help and so we're just honored and excited that you're here today last week we started our marriage series and I kind of love going through these relationship marriage series because I get to use jokes that I don't get to use any other time of the year and I'm terrible at jokes, so maybe you humor me. But there was this couple, and they were getting uh, up there in years, a sweet elderly couple. And they went to the doctor because they were having a hard time remembering things. So they go to the doctor, and they're sitting there, and they're saying, Doc, we just don't remember things all that well. The doc said, okay, well, let me check some things out. And the doctor started to do some things. He said, well, hey, good news, everything's okay. I think you just need to start writing things down. And so the couple went home that night, and they said, okay, that's, that's our problem. We need to write things down. And the couple was watching television, and the husband gets up and says, I'm going to go get a bowl of ice cream. Honey, would you like a bowl of ice cream? And she says, sure, but you should probably write that down. He says, it's ice cream. I'll remember ice cream. And she said, but I want mine with strawberries on it. Okay. Well, you should write that down. No, no, I got it. You want ice cream and strawberries. I got it. And then the husband said, no, no, The wife said, no, no, no. I want whipped cream on top of my strawberries on top of my ice cream. You should write that down. Husband said, I've got this. He goes into the kitchen. He's gone for about 30 minutes. And then he comes back with a plate of scrambled eggs and sausage. And then the wife says, I knew it. I knew it. You should have written that down. See, where's my toast? Oh, oh, I thought the early crowd would have the delayed reaction. That was a longer pause than the 9 o'clock service. Come on, it's going to be a rough morning in the house of God this morning, all right? Let me give you one more that's just as bad. It doesn't get better, all right? We peaked already. The worship's where we this service peaked, so you just buckle up and you're just here, all right? So there's this, once again, there's another couple, and uh, they are celebrating their 40th anniversary. They're 60 years old. They got married when they were 20. They're celebrating 40-year anniversary, and they were a sweet, godly couple. And God comes to them and says, hey, you've been married for 40 years, and I want to bless you. So whatever you ask me, I'm going to give it to you. So the wife said, that's pretty amazing. She said, I've always wanted to take a cruise to the Caribbean. Poof, tickets to a Caribbean cruise. The husband stepped back and said, oh, well, I guess it's a real thing, God. That's, that's great. I've always wanted to be married to a woman 30 years younger than me. Poof. He was 90 years old. Careful what you wish for. Careful what you wish for. All right, now that my bad marriage jokes are out of the way, just, just forget that happened. We'll delete it off the podcast. Don't worry. But we're in a series. Last week, we kicked it off, and we said the honeymoon is 
over. And sometimes we get into a relationship, we get into a marriage, and it starts out great. And then we're like, what happened? It seemed like it was going well. It seemed like things were happening, but then we just kind of fall out of love almost. So we said, first of all, we said we first fall in love, but then we said we forget how to love, and then we stop fighting for love. And we said the honeymoon is kind of over. And then we looked at the fact that the wedding is where we tie the knot. Culturally, we understand that. The wedding is where we tie the knot. But marriage is where we tighten the knot. And so we're looking at this series. I want to encourage you to tighten that knot. And maybe you say, hey, I'm not married yet, but one day I hope to be married. Or maybe you're in a situation where you feel like, man, maybe you feel like untying this knot. I want to encourage you in this series. I want to help uh, guide you and help you show you some scripture that will say, hey, this relationship, it's worth investing and pouring into and fighting for. And so we're going to be going through several topics. And I want to invite you back. Let me just kind of give an overview where we're going to be going the next several weeks. I hope you'll come back next week. You say, why next week we're going to talk about the important aspect of what do you do when there's been betrayal and infidelity in the relationship and i've got a pastor friend he's going to come and he's going to speak and he's going to speak very vulnerably and personally at at his own pain is what he's gone through and how he experienced infidelity in his own marriage and how god restored them so i want to invite you back then the week after that we're going to talk about the right one everybody's looking for Mr. Right, Miss Right. They're looking for the right one. And what does the Bible have to say about finding the right one? And we're going to look at that. And then last week we're going to talk about is sex isn't second. And we're going to look at these topics. But today I want to deal with this topic about ribs and relationships. Ribs and relationships. And man, maybe you're thinking, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. I hope for his illustration, he pulls out some barbecue ribs. Man, that'd be a best sermon illustration. No, that's not what we're talking about, even though ribs are always delicious. But we're going to be diving into this topic of ribs and relationships. And if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to go to Genesis chapter number 2. If you don't, in the seat back in front of you is a Bible. That's our gift to you if you don't own a Bible. We're going to be at page number 2. And if you don't want to use that, it'll be up on the screen as we follow along. I want to read a few verses as we kind of dive into the scripture this morning. Genesis 2, beginning verse number 18. The Bible says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And what I did is I underlined that word suitable. It has to do with shape. It has to do with form. It's something suitable for him. Verse number 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground. I love that word formed. Once again, I highlighted it. I, under, I underlined it. All the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Once again, I underlined the word suitable helper. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made, I underlined the word made, a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. That word united is where we get this entire series of tighten the knot. Because that's what we're doing. We're uniting. We're tightening this knot. This knot is tied. And what it means is this deep word that you can't just pull it apart. You would have to literally tear it or rip it apart. We're united. Verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. 
ribs and relationships. Maybe you think when God puts you together, you're in a relationship with somebody, you think God was kind of playing checkers. It just kind of seems random. It doesn't seem strategic. I want you to know this morning, God was not playing checkers. He was playing chess. He was being strategic. Each move that he made to get you to that specific person. This is not just random. God formed it. Do you see the intentionality in this passage? Do you see the intentionality that God took? He looked for a suitable helper. He formed it. He wanted to make sure that the form, he shaped things. There's a lot of intentionality here. So oftentimes we get into a relationship, we get into a marriage, and we start thinking back, like, how did I end up with you? How did I end up with you? And we start getting into these struggles. And we want to look at, because what happens is, it starts out kind of like the famous uh, Ed Sheeran song. How many Ed Sheeran fans do we have in the house? Don't be ashamed. Even guys, that's okay. You can raise your hand. There we go. That's right. Ed Sheeran writes some great songs. I'm telling you what. One of his most popular songs recently is, can you say it? Shape of You, that's right, Shape of You. And I love some of the lyrics in Shape of You because it starts off and it's really kind of catchy. Every day discovering something brand new, I'm in love with the Shape of You. I'm telling you what, even if guys, if you can't sing, sing that to her. That'll just mean the world because love makes us act stupid. And there's nothing your girlfriend, that your wife, your fiance loves more than you looking stupid to impress her. I don't know why. They just love it when you look stupid to try to impress them. They just love it they eat that stuff up that's almost like double points right there we had a point system last week you want to get more points do something stupid this past week I wrote a poem to my wife I wrote a poem yeah yeah it was stupid it was ridiculous and uh, it blew up in my face it didn't work but she appreciated the fact that guess what I was doing something crazy for love I was investing into the relationship she appreciated that well Ed Sheeran's song that I'm in love with the shape of you and that's kind of how relationships start we're in love with the shape of this person but then it's almost as time goes on you can almost change the lyrics to what happened to the shape of you I mean it's just yeah what happened I fell in love with this shape and now I got this shape you know I mean the dad bod I don't know about the dad bod you know or something like that and uh, you know what happened to the shape of you and then I can't stand the sight of you you know I mean you just change it a little bit and that kind of seems like sums up where some of us are at in the relationship and you say well what happened and then we start asking ourselves the question And some people are sitting here and you're thinking, I'm a great person. I'm a great spouse. I'm a great boyfriend. I'm a great girlfriend. I'm a great fiance. But this person or this person, now they got problems. And we don't have to answer out loud, but there are moments you wake up in the relationship and you think there's nothing wrong with me, but there's a whole lot of problems with this person. And all of a sudden, what God put together, now you're like, oh, I just want out. And then we start asking ourselves a question. And the question we ask ourselves, I don't want you to answer out loud, but I think we've all at one time or another thought to ourselves, if this is love, I don't want it. And if this is love, I want the real thing because this isn't it. Or you've said something like this, what this is is not real. And if I can't have the real thing, I don't want any of it. Because culture and movies and your friends have built love up 
So you cannot meet its expectation. Where it just seems like, man, when we met, fireworks went off. It seemed like, man, there were turtle doves everywhere. It just seemed like, man, there were double rainbows. And I saw the pot of gold. And all of a sudden, I got a pay raise. And all of a sudden, all these good things happen. And these need to happen. And we get in a relationship. We feel like, what happened? Where are the sparks? Where's the romantic love and now you're in a relationship with somebody and he thinks it's cute to send you on a little scavenger hunt to find his clothes so you can do the laundry and you're thinking I don't like scavenger hunts I don't like to crawl under the bed to go find dirty socks to go find your pajamas so I could put in the laundry and I don't like making all this food for you and I don't like cleaning up after you and I'm just kind of tired of it if this is what love is I don't want it and we can find ourselves there And we could find ourselves at a point where we say, what do we do? And the problem is, you and I, if you're married in this room, the promise of marriage is made when passion is highest. That's when you made the promise of love. When passion was at its highest. When you felt the most committed, that's when you made the decision. Now, you were not being hoodwinked. You weren't being tricked. I doubt any of you had a gun to your back to say, I do. But we were in love at those moments. And we look at the anniversary photos. We watch the anniversary videos. And we're like, what happened to that couple? Like, where are that couple at? Because I look at the couple now. You ever seen the old famous painting with the couple with the pitchfork? And you're like, that's kind of what we look like. What happened? What happened to the love? What happened to the joy? What happened to the excitement? What happened to the pizzazz? Now it seems like, what what happened? Love just kind of died. Because at the promise of marriage, is made in pastor's highest. Verse 23, it says, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. What is Adam doing? He's singing. He's writing poems. He's never seen anything like this. Come on, for the last however long it took him to name the animals. And don't think he just did it in an hour or two. Come on, he's a dude. This took him months, months. Come on, you've given your husband a honeydew list with like three things. He hasn't even done half of one of it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, it takes a long time. So you know it took Adam a while. So he's seen animal after animal after animal after animal, day in and day out, day in and day out. And all of a sudden, boom, he sees woman. It's like, oh my goodness. And he starts singing. He doesn't know what to do. And some of you are like, you used to do that. What's the problem? And then you're scooting over a seat like, man, get back to that. You know, you want that. You want the, the romance. What happened to the romance? What happened to the love? And you're looking for it. And what happened with Adam? All of a sudden, he breaks down a song. See, wedding vows are not speaking of present love, but future love. You see, when you went to the wedding altar, you're not talking about present love. You're talking about future love. Think about the vows. I promise to love you in sickness and in health for richer or poorer, for better or worse. So help me, God, I do. What is all that? It's all future. But you're in a moment where you're just kind of wrapped in the euphoric love and there's something wrong with that. But there do come those moments where richer and poorer. My wife got poor real fast, you know. She woke up, she was like, you're in debt. And I was like, yeah, that's why I married you, you know. <laughs> you fix it, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just these things happen, you know. And sometimes you, you, you meet somebody and they get sick right away. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if this is what I signed up for. But yet we make these commitments, these promises in the height of passion. But then they get played out in real world. Hey, Job loss is real. Hey, there are things that happen with the children. Getting sick is real. There are pressures in the Bay Area that are real. You don't get to spend enough time together. That's real. The pressures with the kids tearing at the relationship is real. You've got these things that are very difficult, and they're real to work with. And so you're trying to develop a relationship. And so what happens is we made these vows, but we need to stop asking of marriage what God never designed it to give. 
You see, some of us expect marriage to give us what it was never designed to give us. You say, like what? First of all, perfect happiness. At weddings all the time, we kind of think, oh, you found the one. It's perfect. It's beautiful. But marriage cannot give you perfect happiness. And yet we kind of come into the relationship and we kind of say, hey, you lady, uh, I married you because, and let's just call it, I'm not being messed up, but here's literally, women, you don't know how guys think. I'm, I'm going to peel back the layers, or maybe you do. If a guy walks into a place and he sees 10 girls, I'm telling you what, he already knows which one he thinks the prettiest or the cutest. That's just the way God wired the male brain, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's just how it is, okay? So he goes, man, when I married you, you were the prettiest or the cutest out of those 10. What happened? What happened? And we're just getting real. We're just dealing with it. And all of a sudden, we step back. We're saying things have changed, and it kind of affects how we view things because we expected them to kind of, man, like you get into the relationship, I say it like this. You get into a relationship and he expected her never to change. Always look the same. And she got into the relationship thinking, I can change him. I can fix him. Like that's just kind of how we both approach it. And yet you get into the relationship, you think this is going to be perfect happiness and it doesn't. But then also another one we believe is that we are going to have conflict-free living. Conflict-free How many had a rude awakening just driving away from the wedding? Who's going to drive? No, I'm going to drive. No, you're going to drive. Hey, who's paying for this? No, you're paying. Hey, what are we going to do? What side of the bed? Jane and I had to have a little argument on who's sleeping on which side of the bed. It's like, no, no, I always sleep closest to this room or I sleep over here. And so, you know, you have these little arguments. You're like, I didn't expect that to be an argument. I didn't expect, I didn't expect the way you put the toilet paper in the little dispenser, that that was a big deal. Like, come on, like up or down, it doesn't matter. And some of you are like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, stop right there, right there. It does matter. It does. Otherwise it peels and tears and you got all these little squares. I'm telling you, it's much harder with a bunch of little squares. You need a big roll of it, not a little squares of it. And if you don't do it right, you're going to just end up getting squares. And now I'm getting into too much detail that you don't care to have. So let's get back to the message. And so you need to see that when we step out and we're asking marriage what God never designed it to give, all right? You see, consider your own selfishness and treat it more seriously than you do your spouse's. Because we get it and then we think our spouse is going to meet all these needs. You know what that really is? It's selfish. That's really what it is. And we need to call that out. But what's really great is we at the, when we, at the marriage altar, we said, I accept you and I love you and I totally accept you. But then as soon as a few weeks passed from the uh, actual marriage date, all of a sudden, where did that acceptance go? And some of us guys, we feel this way. And some of you ladies, you feel this way. Like, wait a minute, you made a vow that you said you accepted me and now you don't like the way I do things? You don't like the way I talk? You, th- you used to think I had a really funny sense of humor. Now you think I'm just obnoxious, that I don't take anything serious, that everything's just a joke. Or you just thought, hey, it was just cool. He was just very free-spirited. You didn't realize that free-spirited mean he doesn't have a job. You know, I mean, you just weren't expecting all that. And you weren't expecting that when she said, hey, you know, I just like to micromanage. You're like, oh, I love how organized she is. That's code for she will control your life. You know, I mean, that's really what it is, you know. And you didn't know that getting into it. And now you're into it and you're like, what happened? Where am I? And all of a sudden, it seems like love is dying in the relationship. You say, what do I do? You see, the good of the relationship must take precedent over the good of the individual. What happens is that the good of the relationship must take precedent over the good of the individual. You see, verse 24 says, you are united. There's the, the greatest killer, the greatest enemy of unity is individuality. Let me show you how it's played out. 
I know that we have married, single, past married. We've got a great mix, and I love it, and we all can unite together. But many of us have either gone to a wedding, experienced our own wedding, and we remember there was a point in the wedding ceremony where you had a unity candle. How many unity candle people? You did the unity candle in here. A few did the, how many did the unity sand? Unity sand people. I went to a beach wedding. They did the unity sand and the wind blew and all their unity just was gone. I was like, oh, that's prophetic. Your marriage is doomed. It's over. I'm leaving, you know, and everything. You know, it was just like the sand went everywhere. And so you try to do the candle. It's really funny. I have a video. My mom was supposed to walk up and light the end, you know. Jane's mom was going to light one candle and then my mom was going to light one and then Jane and I go up and we light it. And then my mom's candle's going out and she's walking. It's really a funny scene in our family, you know, her unity. I was like, my unity's dying, you know, and, uh, you know, trying to save the unity. But what happens is we take my one, and let me use Jane and Micaiah. So we took our candles and we put it in once. We have one. It was a picture of our oneness. Now, let me just be real frank with you. When God said you're going to be one, can I tell you which one I thought was going to be? My one. We're going to watch what I want to watch. We're going to eat what I want to eat. We're going to go where I want to go. We're going to do what I want to do. That's what I thought. Can I tell you what Jane thought? She thought, we're going to think how I want to think. We're going to have a house how I want to have a house. We're going to go where I want to go. We're going to watch what I want to watch. Down Navi all the time. You know, and it just wasn't reality. Like, stab me in the eye if I have to watch one more episode of Down Navi. And no offense to Down Navi. I just don't get it. I'm like, come on, enough. And so, you know, we just, we struggle with which one. And we don't understand that God is like, hey, it's not you or him. It's a new one. It's not which one. It's the new one. There's no more individuality. But here's what we think we're giving up. We think we gave up equality, affinity when we get married. And to be honest, many of us grew up, especially us guys, we grew up with a very wrong picture of what this text is actually speaking about. Did you catch verse number 18? It says God was making a helper suitable for him. Dudes love that because we're like, you my helper. Old King James says, hey, you're my helpmate. Help mate. I like that word mate, you know, and we get, we get, we get those old, old words and all of a sudden we kind of think that, hey, you came out of my rib, which is out of my side, which means you're my little buddy, my little sidekick. You're going to cook, you're going to clean, take care of the kids and all that kind of stuff. And I'll be honest, that's how I approach marriage. I approach marriage that I thought, you are going to help me, and here's how you're going to help me. You're going to cook for me. You're going to clean for me. You are going to take care of my children. You are going to go be there for me with intimacy. And I just kind of put this list because that's what I thought the text was actually teaching. But it's not teaching that at all. Here's what the word help me comes from. The Bible is written in two original languages, Hebrew and Greek. Now, many of you, you're saying, I'm not church. What in the world? Hebrew and Greek? I don't understand. Let me make it easy. It's the word, the Hebrew word helper is the word ezer. You say, what do you mean? That means, and this is so cool, it means rescue. It doesn't mean like, hey, you're just kind of there. No, no. An ezer would show up in a time that you were in a life-threatening situation. It's this rescue. And so what we kind of have this picture that the woman is this weaker vessel. And I even kind of taught that until our life group this past Tuesday. Where it's not that Eve is the weaker vessel. What we need to understand is that Eve was Adam's weakness. Do you see it? Satan goes after where we're weakest. Where was Adam weakest? His wife. He cherished her. And some of you, you know that if somebody wants to hurt you, they just got to hurt your kids. If somebody wants to get at you, they just got to get at your spouse. And there's nothing that makes you more upset, more angry than when somebody goes after your kids, goes after your spouse, or goes after family, or goes after your mama. Ain't nobody talking about mama. 
Nobody messes around with my mama. They ain't no mommy jokes. They, we ain't doing that. That does not fly. Nobody talks bad about my mama. And so you understand that, man, that's where we is. And so Satan comes after that. But we've kind of done that. Let me ask you a question. Does Adam at this point have a kitchen that need to be cleaned? No. Does Adam have overflowing laundry? And God's like, whoa, Adam, this is a bachelor pad in here. Adam, I got to fix this. Let me get you a suitable helper. Let me go ahead and get you a Kenmore washing machine and dryer out here. Man, we got to fix this, y'all. Adam, what are you eating? Look at all these Taco Bell wrappers. Are you kidding me, Adam? You're not looking good. I need to get you three home-cooked meals. I'm telling you what. Adam, buddy, you look tense. A little tense, buddy. We need to find somebody to massage that, you know, loosen that up. And so that's what I thought as the male chauvinist getting into marriage. I thought, yeah, buddy, sign me up. I want me one of those. But it's not in the text, is it? There's no kitchen. You see, here's what we think. We think helper, but here's the thing. Scripture does say, and some of us, we we went to the church, and we're like, well, hey, yo, pastor, what about Ephesians 5, where the Bible says the husband's supposed to love, but the woman's supposed to submit. I like that word, submit, yes. You know, it's like the one Bible verse we guys know. We're like, yes, woman, submit. Here's the thing. Nowhere does it say how she's supposed to submit. It doesn't give a list. There's no list that says she's supposed to cook. Can I tell you, some of you dudes, no offense to your wife, you're a better cook than she is. You should be doing that. Can I tell you how it is in our household? I grew up in a household, my dad did the finances, and we was broke. We didn't have no money. I kid you not, open up the refrigerator, there's nothing. We would eat popcorn because my dad was horrible with money. So he turned it over to my mom, and my mom, all of a sudden, we had money. And I did the same thing. I repeated the pattern. I was like, I'm going to take care of the money. My wife's like, let me because we broke. You know? Can I tell you something? In our family... Our family is funner because of me, but it's safer because of Jane. That's how it works. I'm the fun. She's the safety. Kids, we're going to Disneyland. Hey, babe, can we afford Disneyland? Oh, we can't? Okay. You were going to Disneyland. That's literally how it works in our house. It, it, and so why? It's that teamwork. And some of us, we feel like, no, 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 no. Uh, she, she, her position is this. But we need to understand that we're struggling today about equality. We will never deal with with equality out there until we deal with it in the marriage. Until we see that God set it up, that husband and wife, it's equal. They're unity. You're one. You're one. You're a new one. You're not his one or her one. You're a new one. And God brings you together. And God says, hey, this is how it's supposed to work. You see, the problems of marriage come when individuality precedes unity. So God says, hey, let's fix that. Eve was valuable. She was vital so don't look at your spouse as the weaker one you see marriage used to be about us culture even taught that but now culture it's like all about you as long as she's meeting your needs he's meeting your needs but God says no no let's do it differently and that's why God makes us different God gives us differences you see the differences between man and woman are evident aren't they they're evident but guess what our differences don't have to divide us your differences in your relationship should not divide you Your differences make you dynamic, and dynamic is good. They're strengths. They cover. You're there for each other. You see, a helper is a mutual beneficial thing in a relationship of caring adults. That's what you want. You want people that say, hey, we're here together. We're going to work on this together, and so that's what we want. I wrote this down, and we say around here, note takers are history makers. Understand this, and you want to see this. Your shape is different, but your significance is not. As a man and a woman, your shape is different, but your significance is not. Do not let somebody diminish your significance in the relationship. 
See, God wants strong couples, strong relationships, strong marriages. And it comes when you understand that marriage is for equality, it's for affinity, and it is for unity. God wants those things in your marriage. He wants them in your relationship. And some of you are sitting here right now and thinking, if I just had that. Because where there is this bondage where he has to do this and she has to do this, that's not freedom. Love cannot grow unless there's freedom. I, you can't force me to love something. You can't. You cannot force me to love Brussels sprouts. I'm sorry. I don't care how much mayonnaise you put on it, butter you put on it. It's Brussels sprouts. It's gross. It's nasty. Let's not go there. Let's not do that. You can't force me to love something. And some of you are like, man, my spouse will love me. They will love me. They will love me. No, it's not how it works. You see, love does not grow where there's not freedom. So when there's equality, there's affinity, and then there's unity, love can grow. Love can grow there. Love can thrive. And you want a safe place for love to grow. You see, here's the other thing. But you may be sitting here and you're saying, hey, my relationship, you just don't know my relationship. Notice this if you would. If you don't like what you're getting in the relationship, you need to look at what you've been given. If you don't like what you've been getting in the relationship, you need to look at what you've been giving. There's a biblical principle. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. Every year... I need to, around the fall and spring season, I go into my front yard and I get some seeds. And I scatter seeds over my lawn. I then get some compost and I put compost on top of the seeds. I then get the garden hose and I then spray down the seeds and the compost. And that's how I get a green lawn. If I want a good... You have a good lawn, I gotta sow into it. I gotta invest into it. I gotta pour into it. Some of you are stepping back and like, my marriage is terrible. When's the last time you took her or him out on a date? When's the last time you did something nice for them? When's the last time you planted some seeds? When's the last time you did something? Because too often we're just like, ah, whatever. You know, I, I brought home the paycheck and I keep a roof over our head. Isn't that enough? No, you need more. Here's what happens. God was trying to get a couple and say, you're suitable. So do things for them. We said all points evaporate at midnight, man. Guys, we talked about the point system. You know, maybe she just needs a dozen roses. Just send her some roses. And you get double points if you send it to her and she's with other girls. It's just double points. I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden you get double points and might as well get those points if you send her flowers at her workplace. And everybody's like, where are those flowers from? And she just kind of giggle and say, man, I am my man got me these flowers and uh, just kind of you could show in those points so here's what I uh, you need to understand women are multipliers women are multipliers so in this in this situation understand that you can give a woman a bachelor pad she'll turn it into a home you can give her a few ingredients she'll make a meal you uh, physically in the bonds of marriage give her a seed she'll produce a child a woman is a multiplier you give her a little bad attitude guess what you're gonna get Oh, yeah, she's a multiplier. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're going to get a whole lot back. You're going to get a whole lot of attitude back. Because why? She multiplies it. So if you just give her a little bit of love, it's amazing. If you today just get a little card and write, I love you, and just put it on there, it'll make a difference. But you want to make a big difference? Here's the secret. It's not those three little words, I love you. It's the fourth word, after you. You say, what's that fourth word? Let me give you that fourth word. You want to take your relationship to another level? Here's the homework. I've given you homework before. Here's the new homework assignment. The last time I gave you some homework, it was a seven-day challenge. You got to go back, listen to the message. This one is almost as good, but not quite. Here's what you do. It's the fourth word. I love you because. You say, what? I love you. And let me get specific why I love you. I love you because when I come home after a hard day, you don't just berate me. You don't make enough money. Why are you home late? You're just like, hey, it's good to see you, babe. How was your day? 
Man, at the end of the day, I just know you're going to give the kids a bath. You're going to tuck them in. You're going to say the prayers with them. And understand that. You, you, you invest in that relationship. It'll come alive. Why? Because you say, I love you because. Why? Well, I put some specifics around it. I say it like this. You might want to write this down. When you think something kind, say it. When you think something kind, say it. Some of you got up this morning and it's church. You put on some nice church clothes. Look over at your woman. Look over at your man and say, mm, you look good. Wow, you look good. Don't be telling me nothing about you having three kids or two kids. You still look good, baby. You still look good, man. What are you doing later on? What's happening? How you doing? You know, I mean, you just just say that, put that out there. I'm telling you, that'll light a fire. And what happens sometimes, women in the relationship say, my man's just not the spiritual leader, just not the spiritual leader. Well, what you do is the next time he prays over a dinner or prays for something, and man, maybe his prayer isn't that great. Maybe he just says, dear Lord, you know, Thank you that you're good. Um, you know, you're always there like a good neighbor, you know, and uh, you melt in my mouth, not my hands, God. You know, and, and he prays this, amen. And you just look at him, baby, that was the best prayer. I felt heaven opened. I saw angels come down. I feel God was in that prayer. Oh, baby, I'm telling you, I love him to pray. He'll be like, I can pray again. I can, I can, I can do that again. You want me to pray? I'll pray. I will pray and he pray. You see, what happens is we just kind of point out the negative. But if you just start believing in him, here's the man's biggest need is for you to believe in him. When he fails, he just needs his woman to believe in him. When he comes home from a hard day at work, he just needs you to believe in him. When he's messed up, screwed up, failed, he just wants to know that his woman believes in him. If you will just believe in him, it's one of his greatest needs to believe in him. Even when nobody else will, if you will stand by him and you will believe in him, you will see that you will get something out of that man you never saw before. Because you married him because you saw something great. And over time, you say, what happened? to it. Here's the thing. If that's man's greatest need, her greatest need is to be reminded that you love her today. Because here's something you may not know about your woman. There are days she wakes up, she does not feel love. She wakes up, she's saying, looks at the pictures of who she used to be in her 20s, 30s, not that anymore. So I've had a couple kids. Like I haven't taken a shower in a couple days. And her hair, there's like some who knows what food, band-aid. We don't know. She doesn't know. She's like, what happened? She needs to know that you love her today. Did you say, baby, you look better today than you did in your 20s when we went on spring break. Way better today. Way better today. I'm telling you what, I would totally pick you over anybody else. She needs to know every day that you love her and say, I love you because, because you're still there, because you still pray, because you still love, because you stood by me, because you didn't give up. Because what is marriage is a picture of the relationship that we have with Jesus. And we need couples to say, we're united. We're not going to split on this thing that we're together because Jesus doesn't abandon you. And we need couples to say in our weakest moments, our darkest moments, that guess what? When we don't feel our worth, that there's somebody that speaks life into us. And you need to have a marriage that says, hey, we're pouring into because God is shaping. 
And the crux of this message is the fact that it's shaping. God is shaping us. Just like a potter takes some clay and he starts to form something out of the clay. God is molding something in that relationship. God is building something. And God may be having you through the fire right now. And you may feel like, I don't know what's happening. And God is using some tools. And God is smoothing some things out of your life. And you say, God, it hurts. I don't know what you're doing, God. But God's pulling some things back. He's taking bits of clay off. And he's starting to mold you. And you say, God, it hurts. I don't know what's going on. But God is saying, just rest easy, my child. You're in my grip. I've got you. I haven't given up on you. Because a potter will take some clay and a potter will use some tools. And this week I learned what these tools are called. You see, just like God took a rib out of Adam and made woman, a potter will take clay and will start to form it and shape it into a pot, into a cup. Do you know what these tools are called, church? These tools are called a rib. It's literally what they call these tools. You see, women, God shaped you out of a rib. And women will shape the relationship with the rib. You see, there's so much God wants to do. Your relationship is not done. Your relationship is not over. There are things that God wants to do. There are things that God wants to revive. Your differences don't have to divide you. You say, we're weak, we're struggling, we're hurting right now. And there's nobody on the planet that can hurt you more than that person that loves you. They know what to say. They know to look to do. And you're saying, we just feel like calling it right now. We're so frustrated right now. But remember, the rib and the relationship. Don't give up on hope right now. Don't give up on the love right now. Because God is working. He's not done. Jesus doesn't abandon us. And it's loving that person, not when they're truly lovely, because we all lose our loveliness at times. And we're saying, God, I want to see what you can do. Let me close with this. There was a general contractor. He was going to retire. And he told his boss, I'm about to retire. And the boss said, can you build me one last house? He says, okay, I'll build you one last house. But he was tired and he was worn out. He'd been doing this for years. So he starts to build a house and he doesn't really care that the foundation's not perfectly level. It slopes down in some places. He doesn't care that he properly framed it or not. Doesn't care that he's going to put a tile roof so he needs to reinforce it. Doesn't care that, you know, the electrical doesn't always work. Not all the outlets are going to turn on. Not all the plugs are going to work. Doesn't care that the plumbing's not quite right. It might leak in a couple places. Doesn't care the shingles went on and it might rain and some rain might get into the house. He just didn't really care. Some of the rooms, you could feel the floor wasn't quite level. And he finishes the house. He's tired. He's been doing this for 40 years. And he goes to the owner of his company says, I'm finished with the last house. I'm all done. Today's my last day. And the owner of the company takes the keys to that house and pushes them across the desk and say, the house you were building is my gift to you. And some of you are building a relationship and you're not putting the time into it. You're not putting the effort into it. You're not putting the prayer into it. You're not putting the church attendance into it. You're not putting the love into it. You're not putting the compassion, the acceptance, the equality, the unity, the affinity. And you're complaining about your house, but you built it. Understand. You say, what do I do now? You could start again. You can start again on that house. You can say, God, forgive me. I really, I have a bitter, angry wife, and it's my fault. I have a lazy husband, doesn't care. It's my fault. Because we're one. We're one. It's not individuality. 
It's not pointing fingers. It's God, we have a problem. So God, I'm gonna humble myself before you. God, can you fix this? And God's like, yes, I can fix this. I made this. And the maker knows how to fix it, amen? He made it, he can fix it again. Let's stand and we gotta worship because God is good. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these people. I pray that you would help us to remember that you made this, you can fix it. You have the blueprints. You gave us the guide map. You gave us your word. And when we're at our worst, you're at your best. And I pray right now for every relationship, every dating couple, every single couple, every engaged couple, every married couple, every divorced couple, every hurting couple, every happy couple. I pray that they would have a renewed sense that you're not done, that you're still working to tighten the knot to help them to draw close to help them become more of what you want them to be so father we pray this in jesus name and all god's people said amen